Now, my grandson, Samuel, who is over in children's church, he is our oldest son's son. I didn't clarify that earlier. He's Josiah's son. And Josiah, I'm proud of all my kids, but I'm also very proud of Josiah's service in the Air Force. He has going on 15 years of service, and I tried to get him to wear his uniform, but, you know, when you're off, you want to be off, right? And so I don't blame him at all. But let me just brag a little bit. He has at least, what, eight rows of ribbons on his chest. Eight rows. It's pretty awesome. So I'm thankful for his service to our, our nation. Amen. And all of you who have served and are serving and will serve, God bless you. Amen. Well, let's go back to Matthew chapter 12 for a moment this morning. As you find your place there, I want to say something to you. I want to say that that I hate everybody just stop. <laughs> I hate broccoli. <laughs> I really do. I'm, I'm, all you broccoli lovers out there, how many of you love broccoli or like broccoli? Man, that's about like the 9 a.m. service. You people are, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> I don't care. I still hate it. <clears throat> There's a story behind why I hate broccoli, and that's because Many years ago, as a seminary student, one summer, I was taking a summer school course, and Susanna, my wife, was so sweet and said, Sam, why don't you just focus on your summer school course, and I'll take the kids, we'll go out of town, and you can just have this time to study and get through this summer school. I was struggling. And before she did that, though, she, she I guess they had a huge sale on broccoli at the grocery store. And she went and she made all these dishes and she froze them for me. She's reading some book about, you know, preparing these frozen meals. Stick them in the freezer when you want them, grab them, take them out, thaw them out and eat them. And so every time I'd get hungry, I'd go to the fridge or the freezer and grab that meal, thaw it out. Broccoli. (laughs) Every time. I got so sick of broccoli, I thought I was going to die. So I hate broccoli. Now, God says... He hates a few things, too, if you read Proverbs chapter 6, right? He says, seven things God hates. And so I figure if God can hate some stuff, I can hate some stuff. So I hate broccoli. Now, God also hates sin. We all know that. God hates sin in our lives. I want to speak to you this morning for a moment about the unpardonable sin, the sin that, as David shared with us a moment ago, that Jesus himself speaks about in Matthew chapter 12. Some rhetorical questions for you this morning. Is God, is our God really a forgiving God? Is there a sin or is there a category of sin that God will not forgive? What does the Bible say about this? Well, Questions like these are what we're going to explore today for a few moments. Now, you see in our text what Jesus says. So what does he mean? I mean, does does he mean what he says? Is, Is he serious? This passage that we're looking at this morning is what is known in theological circles as a hard saying. 
of Jesus. Jesus says some pretty hard things in the New Testament. This is one of them. This is a hard saying of Jesus. And this subject is important for us to understand because there's a world out there that needs a solid answer when they ask questions of you and me concerning this issue or other issues. We as Christians must be able to defend our faith and give solid biblical answers to an unbelieving world. Amen? Are you with me? 1 Peter 3.15 Many of you know that verse. Sanctify Christ. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to what? To make a defense. To defend what you believe. The word apologetics comes from that word. And it doesn't mean apologia. It doesn't mean to say you're sorry. It means to make a defense. To give a reason to everyone who asks you. To give an account of the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence. So, will God forgive every sin? Except one? That's what Jesus says here, isn't it? This so-called unpardonable sin. This unforgivable sin. Well, the short answer is yes. God will forgive our sin. We serve a forgiving God. Amen? And as far as I can understand the character of God and His Word, He will forgive every single sin that I have committed, that you have committed, that I have committed in the past, present, and future. He'll forgive every single sin that we commit. Except one. Except one. And I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. But first, let's examine this passage of Scripture and gain the context of what is going on here in Matthew chapter 12. First of all, Jesus is on the move. And he is going through the countryside on the Sabbath day and he's teaching. He's doing ministry. He's healing the sick. He's rebuking the Pharisees and they needed that continually. And while at the same time he's, he's doing ministry and he's discipling his followers. And notice verse 22. The Pharisees bring a demon-possessed man to him. Look at verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was, sought, was brought to Jesus, and he, Jesus, healed him so that the mute man spoke and he saw. What a beautiful miracle. What an awesome thing the Lord Jesus did for this man. Now, in verse, verse 23 and following, notice what happens. Jesus heals this guy, but the Pharisees begin to accuse Jesus of casting out this demon by Beelzebub. This, as Matthew identifies this entity, this demon, as the ruler of the demons. And in verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus, he knew their hearts, he knew these religious leaders' hearts, these Pharisees. Notice verse 25. And knowing their hearts, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, 
Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided itself will not stand. He knew their hearts. These religious leaders literally were accusing the Lord Jesus Christ of being possessed by Satan and doing the devil's work. That's what these religious leaders were accusing the Lord Jesus of doing. And in verses 26 and following, we see here Jesus is making the point that he is doing the work of the Father, not the devil. He rebukes them. Notice verse 26. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And he goes on. Verse 27. If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless first he binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. Jesus is making the point he's doing the work of the Father, not the work of the devil. And these religious leaders, they are sadly and completely confused about what he just did. Their hearts were hard. Maybe someone here today has a hard heart. I mean, you are bitter, you are angry, and your heart has become hard. I pray that God's word today, you would allow God's word to soften your heart. And seek forgiveness, seek reconciliation. And seek God's forgiveness. And to make your heart pliable and moldable again. Don't have a hard heart like these Pharisees. They were blinded. Their hearts were hardened. And so we pick up with verse 30, and Jesus lays it on them heavy here. You need to put on your theological seatbelts because it's about to get rough. Jesus does not pull any punches. I mean, listen to what he says. Look at verse 30. He who is not with me is against me. If you've got a hard heart, you're running contrary. You're running against the grain of God's grace and His forgiveness. He who is not with me is against me. I don't think any of us want to stand against God. Listen to what He says, Jesus. And He who does not gather with me scatters. Jesus is saying to these religious leaders, he's basically saying, you listen, you guys are in deep, deep trouble. Deep trouble. He says, you're either with me or against me. You're either running with the devil or you're walking with me, the king of kings. He's saying that you can mess with me all you want. You can get up in my business. You can mock my word. You can falsely accuse me all day long. But when you start messing with my spirit, you're in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Look at verse 31. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, shall not be 
forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Obviously, he's referring to himself, the Son of Man. But, here's the contrast. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him either in this age or the age to come. Eternity never, ever will be forgiven. He's saying, mock me, belittle me, falsely accuse me, call me the devil, tell me I'm doing the work of the devil, but when you start messing with my spirit, you have gone to far. You want to speak against my spirit? Good. Jesus said, you just might as well sign your own death warrant. That's what he's saying. You want to speak against my spirit? Fine. You go and you split hell wide open. You mess with my spirit. That sin will not be forgiven. Ever. Go be with the devil. Look at what he says. Whoever speaks a word against the spirit, that sin shall not be forgiven. Ever. So what is what is the unpardonable sin? I'll tell you in a moment. Maybe you feel like you've committed a sin that in your mind is unforgivable. It's unpardonable. Maybe you have done something in your past that you feel that there is no way God will ever forgive me of that sin. Ever. You've had thoughts like, well, I bet God is so angry with me. And you have thoughts like that all the time. And they burden you. It's a burden in your life. And it's just overwhelming to you. And you worry and you fret about it. I've committed this sin. And God will never forgive me for this sin. Well, I want to put you at ease. God forgives you. I don't care what you've done. Past, present, or future. I don't care what sin you have committed. God forgives you whatever you have done or whatever you will do if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, it's conditional, if, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Amen? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. That's awesome. Your past, your present, your future sins have been forgiven. They've been covered by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God's Word says. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed 
our sins from us. Prophet Isaiah again, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And Micah the prophet writes, quote, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. You see that word all? You see the word all in that verse? You see it? You know what that means in the Hebrew Bible, in the Hebrew language? What does it mean? You're right. (laughs) And y'all are smart. (laughs) It means all of them. All of your sins. All of your sins. Except one. Except one. Which is the unpardonable sin. Every sin under the sun you can possibly think of that has ever been committed or ever will be committed has been covered by the grace of God and is atoning work for you and me on that Roman cross. Except one. Confession time. I cheated on seventh grade algebra. Me and my buddy, we had a system. He would sit in front of me and I'd sit behind him. You remember those positive and negative numbers in algebra? I hated those numbers. Hated algebra. Hated math. Earned three degrees. Never had to take a math class. Hallelujah. (laughs) Got three college degrees. Never had to take a math class. That's pretty awesome. I don't know how I did that. My buddy, he would sit in front of me and we, it was pretty basic, you know, positive, negative. And he would, positive, negative. We'd cheat, we'd cheat like a hound dog. Man, that's the only way I could pass algebra. Guess what? I've been forgiven. <laughs> I've been forgiven. I'm forgiven of cheating on seventh grade algebra. That's not all. We could go on for a while here. I switched the price tags on the model car in a five five and dime store so I could buy it cheaper. You ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hands. I know you have. <laughs> Among a few other things. But man, I'll, so, I'm a cheater. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. What else? Oh yeah, I've had thoughts about people that I should not have had before. I've hurt some people with my words and my actions. The fact is, I'm just an old, rotten sinner. That's all I am. I'm just an old, rotten sinner. Ask Suzanne and my kids, I'll tell you. I'm just an old, rotten sinner. But I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. I claim Ephesians 2.8 where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is what? It is a gift. It is the gift of God. So none of us can boast. We have no right. We have no standing without the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for His grace. For His forgiveness. See, I deserve hell. I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But Jesus did for me what I could not do for myself. He ransomed me from the slave market of sin. He bought me with his shed blood. He paid my debt and he set me free. 
from the consequences and the penalty of my sin. My sin has been forgiven because I've placed my trust and faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the only reason why. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We're not condemned. We have a great ministry here at CBC called Celebrate Recovery. And it helps people of all ages overcome sins in their life and addictions that have entangled their lives. And people are set free. They're redeemed from their sin. The chains of death are broken. The destructive habits and lives they've been living, their lives are changed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to see a life changed. Somebody shout today. Hey, get excited about the fact that we've been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The psalmist David again says in Psalm 32.1, How blessed is he whose sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Amen. Now back to our text for a moment. What is this? This unpardonable sin. This unforgivable sin. What is it? What is this sin that Jesus speaks of? What is it? Is it suicide? Suicide's a horrible thing. Open pray you've never experienced a loved one taking their own life. It's horrible. It's the epitome of selfishness. It's a horrible thing to do. To literally murder yourself. Is that the unpardonable sin? No. It is not. It's covered. It's covered by the blood. Is it abortion? Maybe someone here, a lady here, who's here today, maybe you've had an abortion. It's a horrible thing. Take the life of an innocent, unborn baby. It's a horrible thing. It's sin. But it's forgiven. God, listen, God forgives our sin. He forgives our sin. Is it murder? Is that the unforgivable sin? Maybe someone here today, you've murdered someone. Hope and pray not. Well, let's see. If murder is the unpardonable sin, we're not going to see Moses in heaven because he murdered the Egyptian soldier. We're not going to see King David in heaven because he had Uriah murdered. He was complicit. We're not going to see the Apostle Paul in heaven because he stood by and watched Stephen get murdered. Countless other Christians, who knows how many, they're all three murderers. If murder is the unpardonable sin, listen, three of the greatest men you could pick out of the Bible are not going to be in heaven. It's not murder. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. Is it not rooting for the Dallas Cowboys? Is that the unpardonable sin? No, not even that. Not the unpardonable sin. Matter of fact, listen, if you are a Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, you cannot 
commit the unpardonable sin. That's a relief, isn't it? You can't commit the sin that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew chapter 12. You can't commit this sin. It is as Jesus says in verses 31 and 32, this unpardonable sin, he speaks of it like this, it is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. What does blasphemy mean? Well, it means to ridicule. It means to mock. It means to speak irreverently about. It means to make fun of, just like the Pharisees did. They accused, remember, they accused Jesus of doing the devil's work. And in that, they are mocking, ridiculing, speaking against the Spirit of God. And Jesus says, if you do that towards the Holy Spirit, then there is no forgiveness. Ever. Well, how does this happen? Well, here it is. This is the unpardonable sin. The only sin that will send your soul to eternity without hope in heaven, it is simply this. The unpardonable sin is rejecting the grace of God in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. It's spurning His grace. It's rejecting His grace. It's turning your back on His goodness and His mercy. And He's and it's saying, I don't need that. Jesus, I don't need what you did for me on the cross. I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm rebelling against it. I'm turning my back on you and your grace. That is the unpardonable sin. It's refusing to humble yourself and acknowledge that you need a Savior. Have you ever talked to someone and they're like, why do I need a Savior? I'm okay. I'm all right. That's the That's the world in which we live, folks. We live in a darkened world, a blinded world, a world whose heart is hardened and is continually turning its back on the Savior. It's refusing to humble yourself and saying that I am a sinner in need of God's Forgiveness, it's a hardening of your heart with pride and saying no to the Holy Spirit of God. And in doing this, you are blaspheming. You are speaking against and mocking God's remedy for the salvation of your soul. Doing this is the only sin. Listen, it is the only sin that will send your soul and seal your fate in eternity, forever. In that place the Bible calls hell, separated from God forever. If you have never personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and turned your life over to Him and asked Him to forgive you of your sin, then you are in grave danger of committing the unpardonable sin. It's this simple. Christian, you are forgiven. If you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. Regardless of what sin you've committed or will commit, you're forgiven by the blood of Christ. If you are not a Christian, you are unforgiven. 
You are lost eternally unless you come to Christ and receive His grace and receive His forgiveness. I'm not asking you if you're a church member. I'm not asking you if you've taught Bible studies. I'm not asking you if you've made a profession of faith or been baptized. I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ in a personal way? And are you sure that you know Him in a personal way? I want you to have assurance knowing. The Bible says these things are written, John writes, that you may know that you have eternal life. I want you to know. I want you to be confident that you know Christ as your Savior because if you don't, you are in jeopardy of committing that sin which cannot be forgiven. And that is rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Only one question. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus Christ? in a personal way. I want to close this sermon with another sermon. You're like, (laughs) it's going to be shorter though. With a portion of another sermon preached by a pastor named S.M. Lockridge. His initials S.M. stand for Shadrach Meshach. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge was the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. It was a prominent African-American church in the San Diego, California area. And he pastored there from 1953 to 1993, 40 years pastoring there. And his probably most famous sermon was a sermon entitled, That's My King. And I would like to share a portion of that sermon with you as we close today. And this will serve as your invitation to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I can't preach it like he did. I'm going to try. Here we go. The Bible says, My king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He is the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. And he's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords. Now, that's my king. I wonder, do you know him today? Do you know my king? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's Savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He is unparalleled and He is unprecedented. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the only one qualified to be our all-sufficient Savior. I wonder today, do you know Him? Do you know Him? Well, He supplies strength for the weak. He's available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and He saves. 
He strengthens and He sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges the debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. I wonder, I just wonder today, do you know Him? Do you know Him as your Savior? He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know Him? His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And His burden, his yoke is easy. And His burden is light. I wonder, do you know Him today? Well, I'm trying to describe Him to you, but He's indescribable. He's indes- incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's infallible. He's irresistible. You can't get Him out of your mind. You can't wash Him off of your hands. You can't outlive Him, but you can't live without Him. Pooh! Do you know Him today? Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand Him. But they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. Herod couldn't kill Him. The cross couldn't hold Him. And the grave couldn't handle Him. That's my King! Do you know Him today? You can't impeach Him and He ain't going to resign. He has no predecessor and He'll have no successor. To you, King Jesus, be all the power and the glory forever and forever and forever. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise the Lord. If you remain standing, just remain standing. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? If you know Him, you're forgiven. If you don't, you're not. That's the bottom line. And if you don't, you stand in grave danger of committing the unpardonable sin. Come to Jesus Christ. Give Him your life. And the crowd decides, I bet there's somebody that needs Jesus Christ. Somebody here today needs to to turn your life over to Him. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Is He your Lord? And is He your Savior? Becky's going to play. The pastors and elders are going to be at the front. You come to Jesus Christ today. Give Him your life.
serve him. Amen. Amen. If you don't, give him your life. God bless you. Have a great day.